in order to be with our Lord, just like the apostles were when our Lord would take them out and spend some time with them to reveal to them the mysteries of the kingdom. And this weekend, being a um, the time we have set aside during the year of St. Joseph, as the Pope has declared, I wanted to propose to you contemplating the life of St. Joseph. The Pope, as a matter of fact, has said that we get a plenary indulgence when we go on a retreat, even a one-day retreat, where we contemplate the life of St. Joseph this year, this year only. And we have just celebrated his feast day on the 19th, and it seems appropriate for us as we enter the holiest days of the year, this Holy Week, to contemplate the life of the man who brought up Jesus here on earth, knowing that he was not able to be at the foot of the cross with him, most likely, I mean, the gospel is silent, but most likely because he had already passed away. But as St. Josemaria says, that even though he was not there, that we could take his place. That each one of us could be the St. Joseph that was not able to make it and witness these events of the redemption of mankind. We could definitely think that he could have resurrected right after the resurrection in the gospel, it says how there were many saints, many just people who, who resurrected and, and they were seen by many. Perhaps St. Joseph was one of them, I don't know. St. Joseph is a very silent saint. There's not a single word recorded in the gospel. I mean, for such a great saint, he didn't say a word and he didn't write anything. And he didn't perform many miracles that we know of in, during his lifetime. And we could think, well, why is he so important? Because God has chosen him. God chose him to be this foster father for Jesus. And truly, we could say that just because of the fact that he that he really took care of Jesus and, and took care of him physically and even professionally. He taught him, he gave him his profession and, and maybe prayed with him many times verses of the Old Testament or brought him up in the Jewish tradition, that he truly engendered him as a son, even though physically he did not. I have entitled this, this um, retreat, 
go to Joseph. And whatever he tells you, do. And those words are taken, actually, from the Old Testament, from the book of Genesis. They don't refer to St. Joseph, the husband of Mary, the father of Jesus, directly. But many fathers of the church have seen in the, Saint, in, in the Joseph of the Old Testament, the son of Jacob, the patriarch, a kind of um, figure of the Joseph that would come in the New Testament. And we too want to contemplate the life of, of both Josephs. In fact, we will contemplate even the life of uh, Joseph of Arimathea, who was at the foot of the cross, and we will compare his life to the life of St. Joseph in one of the meditations. But the way that scripture describes St. Joseph is very simple. He is the just man. He being a just man, it says, he did not want to put Mary away quietly after he had found out of her pregnancy. And he didn't know what to do. And, and he begins to think about what to do and, and decides to put her away, to divorce her quietly. But scripture says, kind of as a kind of description of St. Joseph, Joseph being a just man, and then moves on. That little kind of parenthetical is so important because justice or righteousness, it's not just that he lived the virtue of justice, like giving to each one his or her due, and, and of course that too. But really, in the biblical language, it means the epitome of all the virtues. He is the man that was righteous, that was upright, that was pure, that was faithful, that was wise. It means all these things. And we, say, we can ask ourselves the question during this retreat, how is it that St. Joseph became this just man? Virtues are all acquired. No one is born being a virtuous person. It takes effort. It takes a lot of doing. It, and especially a lot of doing on God's part, a lot of grace. But how is it that St. Joseph, what was the, the past of St. Joseph? What was his past like? How old was he? Where is he from? We just know, we know the genealogy and we will take a look at that tomorrow. But we, we don't have any, anything else about his upbringing or, and that's why I would like to turn to the Joseph of the Old Testament in order to see how St. Joseph must have become just because Joseph in the Old Testament suffered a lot. And he could have been unjust 
And yet, in spite of all those sufferings, he grew in justice and was a man of the most extraordinary character, which we could imagine St. Joseph, the father of Jesus, could have been in, in so many of these situations as well. And, and, and thereby actually grow in his virtue. As we know in, in Genesis, um, Joseph was the favorite son of his father, Jacob, and all the other brothers were kind of jealous of him. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. And Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they only hated him the more. He said to them, Hear this dream which I have dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright and behold, your sheaves gathered round it and bowed down to my sheaf. His brother said to him, Are you indeed to reign over us? Or are you indeed to have dominion over us? So they hated him yet more for his dreams and for his words. And we know what happens. They, they say, Here comes the dreamer one day. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we shall say that a wild beast has devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. They stripped him of his robe. He had a, a beautiful robe that his father had given to him. The long robe, robe with sleeves that he wore, and they took him and cast him into the pit. And the pit was empty and there was no water in it. And then some other people come, traitors, they pass by, they don't, you know, they don't want to kill him, they don't know what to do, and they basically say, you know what, let's sell him, because we don't want to shed blood, our own blood. And so they sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver, and they took Joseph to Egypt. A lot of parallels with St. Joseph, he also went to Egypt. Jesus would be sold for 30 pieces of silver by Judas. Here Joseph experiences betrayal by his own brothers. They killed a goat and dipped the robe in the blood, and then they took that to his father. And he was distraught, obviously thinking that he had died. And they don't know what happens, but so he, he sold off, and but but all of a sudden... When he's taken to Egypt, he has kind of, he says, the Lord is with Joseph, it says. And he became a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian, and his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hands. This is a kind of theme in this Joseph's life. Everything he touched kind of was prosperous. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him, and he made him overseer of his house. 
This is also a theme in the life of St. Joseph, where he is made overseer of the house of God. Because he was just. And he put him in charge of all that he had. And and truly, for St. Joseph, that is absolutely true. What more can God put him in charge of than his son? That's all he had, we could say. There's nothing... God the Father has nothing else to give. He has given us everything. And he gave St. Joseph everything. And the two most precious jewels that he had, Jesus and Mary, to take care of. But going back to Joseph of the Old Testament, he not only had he suffered betrayal from his, from his own family members, but also comes the wife of this master, of this Egyptian master. And it says, now Joseph was handsome and good-looking, and after a time his master's wife, the master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph and said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, now here's, here's a man, here's a real man. Behold, having me, my master has no concern about anything in the house, and he has put everything that he has in my hand. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except yourself, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And this doesn't have a good ending because since he refuses, he flees. But when he flees, he leaves the garment. And then the woman picks up the garment and in her hand and and flees out of the house and, and yells, See, he you know, he has brought among us a Hebrew to insult us. He uh, the master the he came into me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried, he left his garment with me and fled and got out of the house. This is pure calumny, false accusation. The Hebrew servant, she says, whom you have brought among us, came into me to insult me. But as soon as I lifted up my voice and cried, he left his garment with me and fled out of the house. When his master heard the words which his wife spoke to him, this is the way your servant treated me. His anger was kindled, and Joseph's master took him and put him into prison. Wow. Now, this Joseph of the Old Testament is a, a kind of figure for Joseph of the New Testament because in very different circumstances, he respected Mary's virginity because he saw that our Lord had done something to her to make her the temple of the word. And he respected that. And he was like the old Joseph. He, he truly respected Mary and, and became the guardian of her purity. And every time you see Joseph in a painting, 
many times you'll see him with a lily representing his his own purity his own celibacy and at the same time he had to be married to mary because it it, it would be unthinkable for mary to be just alone you know bringing up jesus jesus needed a father and a mother and at the same time a father who would be able to live chastely with his wife and and not only chastely i mean but in celibacy in and respecting her virginity this is really beautiful this is this is the just man this is what makes a just man you know a, a person who who loves the truth who will die for the truth, who will not lie, who is upright. This is part of that promise made that there will be a remnant of Israel that, that will not you know, bend the need to bow you know, to an idol. And St. Joseph is really in that line of faith. He's in the line of the promises made to Abraham and our forefathers. He is the remnant of Israel. He is the best that Israel has produced along with Mary and others as well. But he is part of that. And with the grace of God and with and we can imagine that he did not become just or he's not called a just man simply because he didn't struggle. Because we know that virtue is made with struggle and struggle in struggle there is battle and in battle there is you know sometimes bloodshed and fall and but getting up again and you know there's a challenge there and we could see we can only think we can only imagine how saint joseph himself must have had a life that was that was challenging that proved him that tested him like gold is tested in the fight just like the old joseph we can of course this is using our imagination a little bit but not too far off When he goes to prison, the, the old Joseph, he, he's got these prison guards and they too have dreams and, he, and they don't know what, what the interpretation is, but he tells them what the interpretation is and, and it comes true that one of them would die and the other one would be in Pharaoh's court and so on. And it happens. And, and the, that guy that, that received this favor from Pharaoh basically says, I will remember you if it comes true. And then it says, yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Again, you know, he has been betrayed by his brothers. He has been calumniated by this woman. He has been forgotten by people who have made him promises, and yet he remains faithful. He remains faithful. And last of all, I, I, I think, you know, when... Well, when Pharaoh has his dream and no one can interpret it, they bring Joseph out to interpret it for him. The, the dream of the seven cows that are, you know, fat and, and um, the fat cows and sleek, and then that came out of the Nile, and then the cows, the seven cows 
that were poor and very gaunt and thin. And he interprets that dream. That there's going to be seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. And during the seven years of plenty, we should gather food in our storehouse. And that's when Pharaoh realizes this, this, is, this is the way it is. And so they do. And when the famine comes, who shows up? Well, all the people, all the Egyptians and, 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 and people from out the outside. And Pharaoh says, go to Joseph. Go to Joseph. What he says to you, do. That's how much he, he trusted him. So when the famine had spread over all the land, Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians for the famine was severe in the land of Egypt. Moreover, all the earth came to Egypt to Joseph to buy grain because the famine was severe over all the earth. And these words, these famous words of Genesis here have always been applied by the fathers of the church to St. Joseph. Go to Joseph. In fact, St. Jose Maria was so fond of St. Joseph and especially these words, go to Joseph, because he would provide. He provided the first tabernacle of Opus Dei. Um, on the Feast of St. Joseph, a man came and left all the things that were needed for the chaplain. He was praying to St. Joseph. He didn't know who was going to bring him. But so all of a sudden, everything that was needed for the oratory, the first oratory, um, showed up. And nobody knows who this anonymous donor was. Maybe some of the people that St. Rosa Maria had asked had to ask somebody else and ask somebody else and then somebody got inspired and they brought all this stuff. And St. Rosa Maria always thought, well, that was through the intercession of Joseph. And so he had a little keychain made with a little medallion in the key of every tabernacle of Opus Dei. It says, Ite ad Joseph, go to Joseph. You can see it. The director shows you the key. It will be on display, I guess, if you want to see it. But, you know, he provides for bread. He provides, in this case, for the heavenly bread, the Eucharist. Guards, makes a little house, the tabernacle. You know. But the most important thing that makes Joseph a just man, both Josephs a just man, just men, is here when we see in, in Genesis that who comes to get fed because there's famine in, in the land of Israel is Joseph's brothers. They come looking for bread and they, they don't recognize him. And he recognizes them and he can understand their language and they don't know it's him. And he, he struggles to forgive them because he knows that they sold them out of envy. And, and scripture tells us that Joseph wept aloud so that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, revealing himself, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him for they were dismayed at his presence. And he said, come near, I beg you. And they were all afraid. He's going to kill us. I mean, we, we tried to kill him. and Now he's going to kill us. He's going to take revenge. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. That was kind of the logic. And, but he says, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. 
For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in this land these two years, and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you, a remnant on earth, and to keep you alive for your many survivors. And he forgives them. That's incredible. You see, this man is a just man, but think of justice. It really cannot exist, at least really in a divine way, if, it does, if it's not accompanied with mercy. And we could think that if St. Joseph is described as a just man, that he too had to overcome all this betrayal, maybe calumny, jealousy, for you know people that forget him, and he too forgave. We could think, because otherwise you cannot really become a just man unless you're tried in these ways. That he was a man of purity of heart who loved the truth, and especially I think mercy here on our retreat. We need, we need to have, we need to foster, we need to see, we need to ask our Lord and especially the Holy Spirit to help us see where we need to examine ourselves and actually love the truth so much that we can admit it to ourselves. Even though on our retreat, we also see things that we don't like about ourselves. We see our weakness and we have to confront that. But if we truly love God first and foremost, we will be able to forgive ourselves too because our Lord forgives us. That is God's will, that we be forgiven. Look at what the Pope says in his document that he just wrote for the year of St. Joseph called Patris Corde, the heart with the heart of a father with a father's heart. The evil one makes us see and condemn, sorry, the evil one makes us see and condemn our frailty, the evil one meaning the devil, whereas the spirit brings it to light with tender love. So when we see our, our failures and we see them in a way that where we are condemned and when we, when, we, when we lose hope, that's not the Spirit. The Spirit actually brings to light in our examination of conscience, yes, all those defects, but with tender love. Tenderness is the best way to touch the frailty within us. Pointing fingers and judging others are frequently signs of an inability to accept our own weakness. See, when we don't accept our own weakness, we start blaming others too for their weaknesses because we, we cannot accept our own. These are signs of an inability to accept our own weakness, our own frailty. Only tender love will save us from the snares of the accuser. That is why it is so important to encounter God's mercy, especially in the sacrament of reconciliation. And we will have plenty of opportunity for that here on the retreat if you are so inspired by God to take advantage of this great sacrament. It is here 
that we experience his truth and tenderness. That's what confession is, isn't it? It's truth and tenderness together. Paradoxically, the evil one can also speak the truth to us, yet he does so only to condemn us. We know that God's truth does not condemn, but instead welcomes, embraces, sustains, and forgives us. The truth always presents itself to us like the merciful father in Jesus' parable of the prodigal son. It comes out to meet us, restores our dignity, sets us back on our feet, and rejoices for us. As the father says, this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And the Pope adds, you know, when I think of the prodigal son's father, I think that Jesus must have been thinking of St. Joseph, that that's the way he would have acted. Even though Joseph's fears, God's will, his history, and his plan were at work, Joseph then teaches us that faith in God includes believing that he can work even through our fears, our frailties, and our weaknesses. Yes. This is, this is, this is what St. Joseph teaches us. And so, the, um, tonight, we can go to bed thinking about these, these, these things just like I think St. Joseph would because he was a man of, of thought and also sleep, that he prayed in his sleep, that he prayed in his sleep. And we too can do that, especially on retreat, to be contemplatives, you know, throughout the day and throughout the night as well, thinking where, where I am weak, where I need to forgive, where I need to be merciful, where I need to forgive myself, where I need to confront the truth, where I need to say I'm sorry. We turn to Our Lady and to St. Joseph and ask them for this great grace that we be just persons that live by faith and love the truth. I thank you, my God, for your resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for you.